Welcome back to the Talking Hedges eight-part cannabis business plan. We kind of help you develop a cannabis business plan from A to Z. We started off with how to develop the best team, what your target market and demographics are, who you should sell to, as well as the category sales price and marketplace. We went into investing, how to issue uh, stock, as well as a pitch deck and how to get capital. Talked about automation and scaling and expanding. And now we're going to talk about the ideal place in the world to do business. That's Puerto Rico. I've said 85% of anybody that who's dealing with CBD will not be in business unless you have an entity in Puerto Rico that's a bilingual call center or otherwise. So we're going to get into why it's best for CBD and cannabis companies or anybody really. All of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory and Puerto Ricans are American citizens that don't have congressional representation and don't vote in federal elections. And since there can be no taxation without representation, Puerto Rico does not pay U.S. federal taxes. So Puerto Rico has a long legacy in the manufacture of medicinal and pharmaceutical products, Puerto Rico also has a major center for agricultural biotechnology and their workforce has a vast knowledge of GMP, FDA, and other global regulations. And while the island's university system is generating a steady stream of new talent. With five decades of manufacturing medical devices and pharmaceuticals under its belt, Puerto Rico is one of the most important biopharmacal manufacturing centers in the world. Puerto Rico has long been a leader in the bioscience sector and currently leads the nation in one of the largest amounts of pharmaceutical exports by a wide margin nationwide. Puerto Rico previously offered incentives to pharmaceutical, biotech, and medical device industries, which left a number of GMP or good manufacturing process facilities available on the island. In 2018, five of the world's top 10 selling drugs were manufactured on the island. And in 2019, Puerto Rican pharmaceutical exports totaled more than $44 billion. Puerto Rico has its own tax code and the IRS has special rules that apply to Puerto Rico. These incentives offered by the Puerto Rican government were implemented to attract capital and create a platform for the export services. Puerto Rico has been hard at work to bring in new businesses and high net worth individuals to the island. And as a territory, they're offering tax deals to U.S. citizens that can't be matched by any foreign country. So this strategy isn't new. Boeing's headquarters was lured from Washington to Illinois with the promise of zero state taxes, which is probably partly why Illinois had to legalize cannabis. Google's European headquarters is in Ireland. That's the double Irish with a Dutch sandwich. That's a tax avoidance technique employed by certain large corporations. But as a protected U.S. territory, Puerto Rico can offer unique benefits to even small businesses, including no U.S. sales tax, for selling products in the U.S. You have duty-free importing of products from the mainland. You have low corporate tax rates, and then only one shareholder can form a corporation. The Act 20, the Export Service Act, is now reorganized as Act 60, and it exempts businesses that have moved to Puerto Rico. Residents of Puerto Rico don't pay U.S. federal tax on their Puerto Rico sourced income. They pay only Puerto Rico tax on these profits and capital gains, and Puerto Rico is free to charge whatever tax rate they want, which is why Act 20 and Act 22 were possible. If you provide a service to clients outside of Puerto Rico, the corporate tax rate is only 4%, and dividends to all of the owners are tax-free. You still have to pay yourself a reasonable salary, which can be subject to U.S. federal tax, you know, payroll taxes, and Puerto Rico's income tax with some exemptions like cryptocurrency, zero. Puerto Rico now requires the individual to purchase residential property within the first two years of becoming a resident. 
So to qualify, you have to be the resident of Puerto Rico by spending a minimum of 183 days a year on the island. You file a new local business like LLC or corporation. The owner has to receive a reasonable salary based on the services provided to the business. And the business has to file their annual reports like normal. And then you uh, may have to hire an employee, but um, not normally the case. A lot of people can qualify. Contract workers, freelancers, consultants, self-employed, all can reduce their tax burden significantly by moving to Puerto Rico and establishing a corporation. It won't help Uber drivers or Airbnb hosts, but it will help if you're in research and development, advertising, public relations, any kind of consulting or management, even creative industries, design, architecture, uh, commercial, um, graphic design, uh, data processing centers, educational training services. Uh, it's a huge list. Then there's Act 22. So that's for individuals and businesses that pay zero capital gains on assets after moving to Puerto Rico. This makes Puerto Rico the only place in the world where U.S. citizens can avoid paying an overburdening U.S. federal income tax. Puerto Rico's strategic location, its status as a U.S. jurisdiction, and generous tax incentives make it ideal place for an entity that provides services to clients outside of Puerto Rico. In order to promote the economic development, the Puerto Rican government created tax incentives to encourage this wide range of industries and companies, investors, and entrepreneurs to establish residence and headquarter their business to benefit from the current laws and regulations. Act 73 is the Business Development or Economic Incentives for the Development of Puerto Rico Act. So the maximum incentive tax rate is 4%. You have tax credits of 50% for if you purchase local sustainable recycled products, tax credits of 50% for R&D, um, the list goes on. Looking at agricultural incentives, 100% on agricultural equipment, this is what you're exempt on. So taxes add up, you know that because in, in cannabis, there is no tax write-offs, but here it's looked, hemp and cannabis are looked at as agricultural. So there are massive amount of incentives for tax credits, 50% of investment in agricultural businesses. That's insane. Act 74 for tourism. The Act for Tourism Development provides incentives for a variety of projects like agricultural tourism, medical tourism. So you can get uh, equity interest approved and receive tax credits of 50% for the cash paid or 10% of the total project costs. You can get 100% exemption on alternative minimum tax, retained earnings. There's a huge amount of benefits to look into. When you compare the savings to a place like California, for example, you're looking at 26% right off the bat. Uh, when you include uh, federal, it's a 39% savings. And that's not even including some of the increases that the current administration is talking about in the US to, to raise those taxes, making Puerto Rico even that much more advantageous. In addition to the potential for you know any sitting president to get rid of capital gains, uh, long-term or short-term capital gains taxes and the benefits that, that come from that, getting rid of 1031 exchanges or, or any of these other opportunities, uh, on top of that, you're looking at trade battles, regardless of who's there. Um, so if you're in the industry and you're looking at lighting or packaging or extraction equipment, vaporizers, greenhouses, all of that is going to come down and affect the consumer prices in the end, as you have kind of trade battles and the supply chain constraints and issues all over the world, it's going to impact your business. My ideal scenario is to incorporate in Canada. You can have your headquarters in Puerto Rico. And then you can operate from anywhere. And for an exit strategy, file an IPO in Canada and, and exit. Just keep in mind that the clock's ticking on the Puerto Rico incentives. They've already come under attack by certain lawmakers uh, that could be altered. I would count on it being altered, but not eliminated. I don't think that'll ever be eliminated. 
you sign a contract with the Puerto Rican government. So based on last court cases, a new rule changes aren't supposed to alter the agreements that you sign. So your grandfather clause in, but you're going to have to keep paying higher and higher taxes. That's just the thing there. They can increase the fees that you pay. They just can't take away what your grandfathered in. So understand that. The another risk to consider is uh, these benefits to U.S. citizens would be eliminated if Puerto Rico became a state. I don't see that happening either. Recently, additional advantages of doing business in Puerto Rico include the recently passed gold standard. That's a certification granted to tourism related businesses who are implementing the highest health and safety measures. Puerto Rico is also getting a new energy grid from the ground up. So that's leaving a lot of room for innovation. Puerto Rico had four governments in the last 16 years. So there's changes, seen a lot of change. So that current government's trying to create a structural reform, separating its economic development from government to ensure that there's stable progression moving forward. Let me know if you got any questions in the comments, try to get back to it. Ultimately, you can take a look at Act 60 and see if whether or not moving to Puerto Rico is right for you. But ultimately, if you don't have an entity in Puerto Rico, you're paying too much. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi. My name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.